Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Red Peace Machine RPM, where we are all back here today to speak with you about really cool stuff. And uh, today I'm joined with our usual cast of characters by Roy Woody, also known as Roy Peace, Roy Casagranda, Benefsha Mad... Oh, I cannot say your last name, I'm so sorry. Madani Najad. Madani Najad. Okay. You got it. Oh, really? Okay, that's great. And uh, Ramesh Nadim, uh, can everybody please give us a, a, a update on what you did this week and how you're feeling this week? What's going on? Can we start with Roy Peace? Oh, yeah. Um, so this week, feel, feeling good, actually. Um, I went and ran, so my knee hurts a little bit. Getting a little bit, like, I'll, I'll be 40 in a few weeks, so I guess I'm feeling those 40-year pains. <laughs> and then... Um, but other than that, good. Yeah, good week this week. Uh, last week before going back to work, so <laughs> last vacation. Boy, what happened yeah. to your forehead, dude? Yeah. Oh, um, so when I was a kid, uh, my aunt was watching me and my brothers and sisters, and we had a grocery store like right around the corner. Yeah, it's a scar. It's a ma massive oh, scar. Oh, it's an old scar. <laughs> it just uh -huh. looks yeah. kind of oh, probably, You probably never noticed it, but like a lot of people, yeah, like my friend I've been talking to forever, he just noticed it yesterday, which is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, we were playing, my aunt took the groceries home Yeah, and the grocery cart. So me and my brothers and sisters were playing on it and I just got scraped on a piece of the metal off of the shopping cart. Mm -hmm. It had like 40, yeah, 48 stitches across. Oh, oh my God. Oh, I yeah, bet your grandmother was, was thrilled. Oh, I know. Yeah. My mom, my mom was upset with my aunt for like a long time. And she, it's so funny. She's like the, one of the most, she's just so fun. She's like one of my favorite aunts. I love her. Yeah. But and she, my aunt's like, she's, she's always bickering about my mom. She's like, yeah, it's so funny. You got the scars <laughs> to prove that love. Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so what'd you do this week? How, how's everything going? Did you hear any news that was upsetting to you or happy to you? uh upsetting no but uh today uh, i am excited that cory bush will be uh sworn in today <laughs> i love that yeah cory bush yeah. I, I sent her so much money and i, I just a massive oh, supporter fantastic. her win was like it's just awesome when she won so i'm excited about that yeah right on <laughs> how about you ramish how are you doing doing well doing good i am in karachi now which is amazing and so different and so bustling and the sun is out and the fruits on the fruit stands in the streets are different and wow. it's been wonderful so far mm -hmm. also gearing up to come back on the ninth can you tell be... us where that is karachi is in pakistan uh it's uh in the southern portion of the country and it's right alongside the coast it's a port city wow how beautiful and it's a massive port city. Massive mega city. <laughs> mega city. How many people live there? Well, like there, there's like the official population estimates, and then there's these sort of yet. unofficial, you know, estimates, yeah. and whatnot, right? And then there's a census itself, which you just have to ignore, right? But sort of, if, if we if we look holistically at the whole like metro area and look at the million. you know accurate, oh, oh more. We're, we're close to 20, 20 million uh, and clo close to the population of uh, the way I, uh, I explain it to folks is that like, imagine the entire population of Australia concentrated in a single city. Wow. That's where we're at. Yeah. Wow. And more diverse. Of Texas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's too many people. That is it's way too many people. <laughs> but, but that's the thing about the, the cities like Karachi or, or throw in Cairo, which, which is another you know, yeah these massive cities 
they're wonderful. You don't feel crushed. You feel yeah. embraced. You're surrounded by people who, uh, I don't know, there's something so warm and loving about it. It's it's Not the opposite York. of the American sense of what a big city is. Yeah, it's so or Western, human. I would so think, human. because How, Paris yeah. is really like that too. And London and Italy, they don't embrace Berlin you. is one of my favorite cities, in, in part because it is such a massive. I love massive cities, but I will say that I did not feel embraced by any of them. <laughs> well, that's because you've been going to the wrong ones. You need to go to Cairo and Karachi and Taiwan. Well, that's, yeah. That said, what is it like during COVID? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> Ramesh. Yeah. I mean, masks everywhere, temperature checks if you're going anywhere, indoors, that kind of stuff. But like... Mm -hmm out in the open air and in the streets the life is you know the same as it otherwise would have been um yeah, yeah. That's the great. informal economy is chugging along all of that good stuff <laughs> mm -hmm. and yeah. but pakistan has done a, an amazing job of managing covid Pakistan overall has done an amazing job. So there have been smart, like at, at the very start of the pandemic, all international borders were closed. All flights were suspended before any other country was doing that. Uh, that's wow. probably largely because Pakistan shares land borders with both China and Iran, uh, both of which were like rather early hotspots. Yeah. So they shut down borders really, really, really quickly. Um, and once the disease did get in, because it did, yeah. Uh, they then, you know, locked down the entire country, shut down schools very early on, shut down the economy. No one was going anywhere. Nothing was happening. Interest in travel was suspended entirely. Wow. And then after that point, uh, more recently, what they've done when they did start reopening and then pockets of COVID were spreading is they would engage in smart lockdown. So they'd shut down just a block of a single street or just a single small sector of a neighborhood uh, at a time whenever there was a case reported there. Wow. And then go in and do contact tracing, testing of uh, all those places, all of that. Yeah. How embarrassing Which is for so the wild. United States. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when you look at GDP per capita. Oh, oh God. Uh, we are ridiculous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> it's okay. shameful. Well, thank mm. you for that. That I wish now I wish I were there instead of here. Actually, I've been wishing that for a while now. Mm -hmm. um, anywhere but here. <laughs> uh, but we're glad you're on your way back when are you going to come back the ninth the ninth yeah so i'll be leaving on the ninth and i'll be arriving on the ninth uh yeah Excellent. after a long long time in the air yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> well don't forget to get up and walk around no blood clots yeah. um hey roy war how are you so i'm good uh but after i had a really fun last week of the year. Uh, I'm just going to give you the nutshell version, but I think Benefsha ended up in the, with uh, me and her mother in the ER on Monday and Tuesday. And then since then, I think she's been to like four or five <laughs> doctors because she's taking me oh. or her mother. Yeah. God. But we survived it. And, we survived. And uh, it was dramatic and exciting. May you live in exciting times as the curse goes. Yeah, I don't like it. So 2020 <laughs> really just wouldn't wouldn't leave us alone. I'm not convinced it will for at least three more days anyway. I think I think we're still in 2020. We're just <laughs> I'm not gonna be relaxed until the man is in office. Yeah, maybe 121 is when we can finally 121, 2021. Yeah. <laughs> I would just go. <gasps> Thank you. Yes. Back to the old imperialism. Right? Yeah. 
What about mm-hmm. you, Vanessa? Comfortable imperial. Yeah, familiar yeah. stuff. Normal. <laughs> I'm gonna do Here this. I'm, I'm gonna ward off some evil. Okay. There we go. <laughs> We're doing the warding. We're doing the warding. I'll match you. I love it. All I, I have, have is something that's illegal. I don't think. That's good. But I can't yeah. do it. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> Um, so, uh, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about democracy today. Oh, no, hold on. I didn't go. Well, you didn't. <laughs> I thought you she said was, you went. She was worrying out the evil before she went. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you are going to go. Okay. All right. Your turn. Your turn. Um, yeah, I just want to say that all the, uh, healthcare professionals we saw were just so amazing. Really? Like, um, I just have not had this good of an experience maybe i'm i was sensing it maybe i was i don't know maybe it was me maybe it was them maybe i don't know but um just it was all so wonderful it's um, um it's kind of yeah. weird to me that seaton southwest had full beds i mean they never had no it wasn't no. seaton southwest it was, it was Saint 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 where I, uh, oh i was gonna say they never St. david's is where i went seaton's where her mom went <laughs> okay okay yeah we, we decided to split it up yeah as far as possible yeah. No, well, no, we did both South Hospital. Oh, well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say, just since what, piggyback on what Benafsha said and the fact that we plugged uh, Seton and St. David's, uh, I love the hospital systems in Austin. Oh, I, oh God. I, 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 like, I've compared it to other cities I've been in, like Houston. I, I don't care if Houston has the largest medical center in the world. Austin has better hospitals. It's right. really, uh, we're really lucky. We are. And we write, and Seton will write most everything off, except for the doctors. You, I mean, they'd like for you to pay the doctors. But other right. than that, they just write it off. So that's exactly my, my first mm. real kind of groundbreaker experience was with Seton. I brought my dad in, and the doctor comes up to me and she says, uh, we're, we're working on your dad's insurance because we, you know, he probably is eligible for Medicare, but I just need you to know, we don't care. Medicare or no exactly. Medicare, we're going to treat him. Don't worry about it. Yep. He's in good hands. I'm like, wow. What how did that happen? Is? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how good they are. I mean, and they've got satellite offices where they work with uh, MAP, the, uh, the uh, medical assistance program of Austin. And I mean, I got to see them forever when I didn't have insurance and I have a ton of medical issues and it cost me, you know, $10 to go to the doctor every month. And it was like two bucks for my drugs. And I did not have insurance. Austin took care of me. Mm. So yeah, yeah, it is. We are lucky, lucky to live here. I think. Um, I just got to say like at the end of the year, you know, everyone has their best of list. I gotta say the nurses, the nurses and the health professionals, man, they deserve to be top of that list. They they, they deserve that. What is that? The time cover. They deserve that a out. holiday. Yes, that's it. They should be on on time. People they of the should. year. Oh my god, yeah. that would upset Trump so much. They should get the Nobel Peace Prize. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, they they deserve the recognition. You know what I mean? Wouldn't that be great? Just the entire industry, and yeah, then you could say, planet. if you're a nurse, you could later say, I won the Nobel Peace Prize, but Trump can't. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's so true. Uh huh. Or give them a pay raise, give them good benefits, <gasps> what? give them give oh, security. No, no. Here, exactly. Here, Amish goes into socialism. <laughs> <laughs> 
thoughts and prayers and an award. That's what we <laughs> That's how we have for them. <laughs> how do you split up a million dollars to a hundred, two hundred million people? <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk about all this stuff as we already have started doing, and uh, we're going to kind of focus on democracy and um, and Athens. Actually, we'd like to go back just a little bit to Athens and discuss, because of course that's where we believe the birthplace of democracy is. And um, we're also going to maybe touch on some of the stuff that we've got going on in the real world, which is a stimulus check and. The COVID that's still here, regardless of the change in year, we've still got these issues here. Um, there is a repudiation of libertarianism, I think we've all seen, and the terror in Tennessee that um, they're not calling this man a terrorist, uh, mm. and he is a terrorist. I don't know why the color of your skin makes you a terrorist. It's the same action. Yeah. It's the same motivation. So um with that uh let's see i'm gonna open up and ask if anyone has any stories knowing secretly that roy war actually has one <laughs> you've unveiled our secrets <laughs> Man. roy what you got for us today okay so because we're going to talk about athens before we do that i want to i want to put in a plug for george orwell because uh george orwell <laughs> predicted the predicament that we're in on the planet today. Uh -huh. um, unfortunately, there are other people who wrote dystopias like Aldous Huxley, who also nailed it. But anyway, we're, we're, we're going to focus on Orwell for now. In, in 1948, he wrote the book, Bra uh, 1984. <laughs> I got Aldous Huxley thing stuck in Different my guy. Different guy. He wrote 1984. And in it, he talks about um, Big Brother having the new speak dictionary where they they would literally every few years go through and purge words from the language and then you had to go and read the dictionary to know what words you could and couldn't use well that obviously isn't what happened right every year the oxford english dictionary adds words uh, but also just the idea of making people read something is is kind of is kind of weird, especially in the United States. I mean, right? Maybe in oh, England yeah. they would read things. I think that's that was the, that was the problem. Is he was from a, a country of literate people, and anyway, so um, the, the, we pulled that off. We did it, but the way we did it was actually really amazing. I'm not sure the extent to which the thesaurus was involved, but the thesaurus to me is like the hallmark of what's wrong with the United States. <laughs> It, because what the way we deleted the words was we conflated the words. Right. So English is a crazy language. It has more words than any other language on the planet. Uh, number two, by the way, is Arabic. Wow. Um, and Arabic and English, as a result, tend to be mm. very poetic languages because, mm. right, you want to use the right word that sounds right. And mm. turns out there's 20 words with similar meanings, not the same so, meaning. Yeah. Right. English right. is actually, because it has so many words, can be really precise. And you can you can kind of pin down a meaning. Like for example, the, leisure does not mean the same thing as entertainment. These are right. two different words. But Americans inner they don't know the difference between the two words and they use them together. And as a result, we've lost the, the difference between the two meanings. Like for, since, I, since I opened this can of worms, entertainment doesn't require your active participation, leisure right. does. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're reading a book, that's leisure. If you're watching TV, that's entertainment, right? Because- What if you're learning yeah. from the TV show? 
uh, I think it's still well. Then it's not entertainment; it's learning. <laughs> uh, damn, that, I'm conflating the two. There you go. Yeah. So as long as you're actively engaged, it's leisure. And if you're if if you're not required to do anything, it's entertainment. Uh. So is Arabic also a living language? They add words as well. Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, basically every spoken language on the planet is a living language just because it there's no they're way starting to, to yeah work. but there are some mm -hmm. that are falling off you can see them dying oh sure uh, um and then it, like there are languages that well, attempt to stop from adding words yeah. like French. <laughs> yeah i love that french is resisting any kind french of french is like fuck you oh wow i lived there when the when the uh, they they instituted the no smoking in the metros i mean there were men getting on the train with cigarettes just to just to say fuck you uh, you know and uh gendarme would come up and say you can't smoke and they'd be like what are you gonna do and they'd be like eh. <laughs> and they turn around and walk off i mean they will revolt like that and they know how to do it yeah they will shut shit down they shut trains down and the garbage down all the time mm. and i wonder what would happen in a place like uh pakistan if that happened in that large city um it, what would happen if they stopped picking up the garbage? You know, if somebody went on strike like that, how, how, and why don't they? It, it, it happens. Uh, yeah, th this is a flex of power. If, if you're a political power with certain kind of like authority or ability, if you you know want to get something done, uh, yeah, you you shut down the city, and it's relatively you know easy to do if you cut off just the right you know uh, what is it traffic corridors or motorways or whatever else. All of a sudden, the city grinds to an absolute halt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it happens regularly. <laughs> wow. See, but we don't have that kind of power here. I mean, I, even unions yeah. don't do that kind of stuff. I mean, it takes a lot for that mm -hmm. to happen. I think. Especially since our unions have been so poor, so crippled. <laughs> I mean, our, our unions are in terrible shape. Yeah, they are. So what's your story? Okay, so... <clears throat> The, the reason I'm doing the Orwell thing is because it also means that Americans don't know the meaning of words like democracy and republic. And, and right, this, this is a problem because it means that we can't have conversations about these concepts. And going back to what Susie was suggesting be our topics today, or terror, or terrorist, yeah. or terrorism, or libertarianism, or yeah. any, yeah. Yeah, or capitalism, or anything, or, or socialism. Or socialism. <laughs> yeah, what do these words mean, and what, and how do they affect us? I mean, like you said, conflating. I think a lot of people conflate Marxism and socialism, and Democrats are socialists, just all of a sudden. Um, so, yeah, and if only that was true. Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. If only we were progressive. If only. Like, if only that was true. That would be so great. It'd be amazing. Um, so so let's do Athens real quick. So first of all, I, I, I'm 100% certain Athens was not the world's first democracy. The problem is, is Athens is the one that we have the documentation for. So just, just so we're clear, yeah. it, we, we talk about Athens because we're kind of stuck. Um, having said that, before Athens became a democracy, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so certain that it, it, it's almost certainly not, there's, I mean, first of all, because it's impossible not to imagine that there was nobody who came up with the idea before. Um, <clears throat> when Cyrus the Great, the Persian, the first Persian emperor died, a council of, of his advisors got together specifically to talk about what to do next. And one of the things they, they floated was, should we make the Persian empire a democracy? 
they actually asked that question and they decided not to in the end they decided to go with with uh, <clears throat> this this sort of uh one person monarchical system but but they actually floated the idea and the fact that they did way before Athens became a democracy suggests that at least the Persians had the concept. Also, the thing is that they just found out, <clears throat> we always say that a language was born in Mesopotamia. They just recently, writing. Fa- sorry, uh, writing. They recently found out um, that it was a French uh, man actually found out that it was simultaneously at the same time um, an invention in Elam, which is the old Persia. Um, so it's very possible. The southwest corner. Yeah, of which is very possible, right? This is wow. This of how inventions uh, yeah. kind of work. They happen simultaneously in several different yeah. places. Yeah. Isn't this the model we moved to when it comes to this uh, origin of agriculture too? Like we at one point in time thought that it originated in, in one singular location and then spread, but now we see that there's these like multiple origins and people start a little bit of agriculture and then they go back to their, you know, mm-hmm. a hunter gathering and then back to mm-hmm. agriculture and all this. And we have this, right. you know. Right. Cause the only reason you do agriculture is because you're, you have food stress and you need to maximize mm-hmm. calories per acre and agriculture yeah. is great for calories per acre. Gathering and hunting is, not great for that, but gra- gathering and hunting is great for labor. So mm. calories invested and then calories returned. Mm. Ah, yeah. And so if you if well, your goal is to maximize joy in life, you want to be a gatherer and hunter. <laughs> if your goal and, is to suffer, go for agriculture. And you want to be a gatherer hunter in an environment where you've curated the, the entire forest, the entire landscape to be a garden-like landscape for you, which is what they think uh, may have taken place in the Amazon, right? You have indigenous folks who for centuries and centuries or even longer than that have uh yeah curated this landscape to produce certain kind of plants materials all this stuff that they they needed so that you know it it reorients how you think about agriculture cultivation of land and what wilderness or wildlife is yeah Mm -hmm. and also people because of this transformed over to agriculture very slowly um in egypt for example after seven thousand years after going over to agriculture they were they still produced 40 percent of their food from means other than agriculture oh. it took seven thousand years to become 60 percent dependent on agriculture oh. it's so hmm. much labor and it creates war and it, it creates yeah. population yeah. density but it's also really hard to do infanticide so if you're if you're looking at oh do i kill my child and keep gathering and hunting or do i do a little bit of agriculture on the side so i can feed my <laughs> child you you do the agriculture on the side so Mm. That parental impulse is why we're here. So, okay. So back to Athens, back to Athens. Maybe y'all. So Athens was was a a monarchy. Um, It ended up in a civil war. It's a city state. So civil wars and city states, of course, are nightmares because you're literally fighting block to block. There's no battles in the, in the, the fields outside of the city because the person that leaves the city loses instantaneously (laughs) so you've got to fight in the buildings and the city is dying people are fleeing um the economy is collapsing the factions get together and they go look we we need a way out of this well we need we need to agree to something and so what they do is they come up with this idea that they're going to hand the city's future over to one man his name is Solon, who is considered the smartest man in athens 
and he's going to design a new constitution for them and they all the factions will accept whatever he gives them and what he comes up with is a republic so a monarchy is where one person rules and it doesn't have to be literally one person there could be like a cabinet there could be you know there could be some uh <clears throat> delegation of power but but at the end of the day the buck stops with that one person in a republic what you have is you have a small group of people who represent so they're not the people aren't present they're represented and it's not the public that decides it's the republic that decides because it's it's one step removed from the public so what happens is what happens is salon creates this republic where the people will elect basically a, a legislature and the legislature will make all the rules for them and then less than a century into the republic uh a, uh, an Athenian statesman gets up in front of everybody and goes, I think we can do better. I think we can take this one step further and we can make a democracy. And he convinces the Republic to vote to create a democracy. And what happened in that moment was Athens handed over its political authority to, to the citizens. Now, the, the voting, voting eligible citizens. So this is where people get into trouble. If you look at the voting population of Athens, it was probably about 20%. So to be a citizen, you had to be born in Athens. There, there was zero possibility for immigration. And if you were Athenian and you were born anywhere other than Athens, too bad, you're not gonna ever vote. So you had to, to be a citizen, you had to be born in Athens to at least one Athenian parent. Wow. So if if, if you moved and you're not Athenian, you were from Thrace and you marry somebody from Argos and you have a baby in Athens, that child is not an Athenian, period. They've, it's got to be at least one Athenian parent. That's citizenship. But to be eligible to vote, not only did you have to be a citizen, but you had to be free, so slaves couldn't vote. Yeah. And you had to have completed military service. <laughs> which, which meant there was effectively an age limit. You probably had to be 26 or so, and you had to be male because only men were eligible for military service. And so by the time you were done, about 20% of the population could vote. But they voted on everything. They voted on whether to go to war, whether to expand trading rights, whether to fix the potholes in the roads, whether to build a new wall, everything. So that 20% directly made all the decisions. Yeah. De democracy really just literally means rule of the many. In the United States, we have 537 people who are elected to the federal government who make the decisions, right? Because there's 100 senators, 435 representatives, a president yeah. and a vice president. So 537 is the number out of 330 million. Mm. By definition, <laughs> that's a tiny, tiny percentage of the population. <laughs> if we were Athens, we would have 60, uh, 6.2 million people making those decisions that that 537 do. Oh my God. That's the difference between democracy and, and a republic. See, but, but the, the cleverness of this is creating new categories, which are, um, I want to say deviously named because they took democracy and split it into two so 
you have representative democracy, you have direct democracy. Direct democracy then becomes what happened in Athens and re representative democracy becomes actually the republic. And so there's a conflation of the republic with representative democracy, but nobody ever says republic. They always call it democracy. And then they mm -hmm. just drop the representative and say democracy, yeah. which is where the issue comes from. And so when you see, ah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Words and play with categories and creating new, very problematic sort of language play. Um, mm -hmm. that's, that's intentional, that's yeah. intentional. Yeah. It's all yeah. very intentional. Absolutely. Uh, I, socialism, for example, has become a pejorative. The idea then, of one man, one vote is nobody understands you say one man one vote and and people in america thinks yeah well that's what we do no mm. it's not it is not what we do and a lot of i think a lot of people think that is exactly what we do well my vote counts no it doesn't it i'm mm. sorry <laughs> but if you live in a red state and your mm. vote you did vote but it didn't ca carry it and your vote has nothing it means nothing mm -mm. so uh, how do i make sense of and what what do i do with when, when Senator Mike Lee tweets out and says, you know, we're not a democracy, period. When he repudiates even that idea. And when the, the entire Republican Party, not the entire Republican Party, but a lot of prominent voices uh, on the right and in the Republican Party sort of back up his views and, and uh, kind of remove democracy from being the objective and try and emphasize, you know, liberty, peace, blah, 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 all this other stuff is, is the objective of the Republic, not democracy. Democracy is something to be uh, pushed away right now. What, what democracy is he talking about when he's uh, trying to, to, to create some distance from it or push away from it? So, I mean, that's a really good question because, I mean, it, Madison in Federalist Paper number 10. So Madison is the guy who wrote our Constitution. We, you know, we call it the Virginia Plan, but it could have just as easily been called the Madison Plan. Um, Madison says in Federalist Paper number 10, I thought about whether we should be a democracy or a republic. I went and read history. And I concluded that there has never been a democracy that's lasted a century. And it's true. <laughs> well, it's not true. The Iroquois Confederacy lasted several centuries. But, you know, right, they're brown. So he wrote them off. Um, so there's never, according to him, there was never a democracy that lasted a century. And he said, but on the other hand, the Republic of Venice has almost reached the thousand year mark. I, th I, I want to say it was like 970 years old when he was writing Federalist Paper number 10. Mm -hmm. And so he's, he's looking at it going, that's not bad. A thousand years. It's really cool. It didn't make it for the record. Napoleon Bonaparte took it out before it got to the thousand year mark. He couldn't have waited a couple of years. Like what was wrong with that? Uh, he was such a little yeah. shit. He was such a little turd. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so um, there has always been this sort of tension between whether the United States should be a republic or a, or a democracy. And on the right, the assumption was that the people are just too stupid to, to rule themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been proven true. I think they're, they're absolutely right. I don't take issue with that. <laughs> I don't take issue with that. Mm -mm. But, but as a general rule on the left, the, the assumption is, yeah, because they haven't been given the tools to figure out how to rule themselves. They've mm -hmm. been intentionally sabotaged and, and if we would just stop sabotaging them, the people could figure this out yeah. and they could, like if we just, for example, made it so the public schools were equally funded, you know, like <laughs> just simple steps would, would, mm -hmm. would go so far. 
So I think what, what you're seeing there is, is, is an old tension in the United States, but I also, they, the Republicans are trying desperately to try, to try and figure out a way to make sense of, this guy beat you by 7 million votes, why do you think you ought to be the, the winner? And to, the, how do you put that into your mind? Oh, well, we're not a democracy. But then in two days, when it becomes convenient for them to say, I stand up for the democracy, they'll be all over the word democracy because that's yeah. that's what America's become. It's a country of hypocrites who who prey on the fact that nobody knows the meaning of the words. And they can just and everybody's practiced in double think, Democrats and Republicans alike. You know, like <clears throat> we're mad at Trump for being a rapist. What about Bill Clinton? Yeah. That dude was a rapist. No, I told you. Yeah. Or the allegations against Biden, right? What I was don't that? Allegations. allegations against Biden and then allegations against Biden. And we should mm -hmm. we should be critical of these things. Absolutely. And be hypocrites. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I think that's totally dead on. I, I, I don't I think Bill Clinton lost me when he lied. I don't care what he did because I mean, I do uh, because he was older and had and obviously used influence. his influence. Um, that's very disturbing to me. Uh, but when he looked dead at us and lied to us, when he lied to Congress, that's when he lost me. You know, I was mm -hmm. just like, I can't, I can't do this. But now it's just rote. Everyone lies to Congress or they just don't show up. I mean, I yeah. think the politicians do, they lie. So I mean, I, I mean, I like lying, I, yeah. I don't have a problem with his existence. <laughs> Look at Biden, right? Uh, he, he dropped out at one point because he did, he did plagiarism, you know what I mean? And then now he's, now he's going to be the next president. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of so, funny. Going back well, to what Ramesh was talking about with the question of, um, you know, Republican comes and says our democracy is dead or this is the other thing about representative democracy in the U.S. These two there's two factions. One mm. democracy for them means liberty. You actually, mm -hmm. I think, brought this up. And the other faction democracy for them means justice. Mm -hmm. And if if one says <laughs> democracy is dead they could mean a complete right it's like along these two tracks exactly yeah, yeah, yeah along these two tracks and they they mean completely different things which, which then gets us to another problem which is this conflating justice with democracy so when I have got, I can't tell you how many arguments I've gotten into with people about Athens, where they'll say, wait a minute, women couldn't vote. They had slaves. Dude, they had human sacrifice too, just for the record. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Stop whitewashing <laughs> that about the Greeks. And, <laughs> and infanticide, they would leave their children. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the uh, Bible they, too, they did that. <laughs> right. Um, underneath uh, the. And by children, I'm, I'm sorry, I mean they're, they're girl children. I mean, oh, they're well, girl yeah. infants. You mean the, the ones that you could, the throwaway kids? Yes, mm. okay. uh, which is ironic because they're the guys that make the army. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> how do you have your next generation of soldiers if you keep killing your women? Um, <laughs> underneath the temple of Zeus, there's a 12 year old boy that they they sacrificed and dropped in there. Um, so, you know, like, and, and you know, Homer tells us they did human sacrifice. Plato tells us they did human sacrifice. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, the, hey, it's only barbaric when they do it on this continent, when the brown folks do it. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. that's when it's, it go, and so it, right? let's lead into that. Uh, that is what's called terrorism. Now, when no, white oh, people do it. Do that, I want to I I make sure we clear this, this democracy. Sorry. Right, so so what, what you're doing is you're conflating two things. Democracy just means rule by the many. It has nothing to do with 
we should we should have civil rights or civil liberties or human rights. Those those are separate issues. Yeah. So so Athens was what most people would call using the terminology we have today an illiberal Mm-hmm. democracy. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous about using the word illiberal because yeah. liberal also means that you support capitalism and nobody in the world at that time supported capitalism. <laughs> yeah. what, what we really mean was that Athens had no civil rights and no civil liberties and as a result, but, but it was still a democracy, 100% a democracy. It was ruled by the many. 20% is a lot of people. Yeah. What, what, well, Athens had property rights though, yeah. right? Yeah, and civil civil rights for the citizens, right? Aristotle. Yeah, and you 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 could be judged by a well. There were some civil rights. It was just perhaps for the twenty percent. Yes, absolutely right. Yeah, Yeah, who who were citizens? So women didn't have civil rights, right? Women were women were so crushed by Mm -hmm. by Athenians' misogyny. Women were not allowed to to be in public. There were Mm -hmm. and if a woman did go into public. And she wasn't a prostitute. She had to veil. So, and so and think veil means veil means not just on their heads. They had to cover their faces. They, they and their, their heads eyes. had to be down. You couldn't see their faces. Their heads had to be. They wouldn't leave the house. If they had to go to the baths, for instance, they had to just wear something and put their heads down. The only social activity women were allowed was to go fetch the water. Oh, and then there were two, mm. there was a chamber and an antechamber in the houses. There was a, there were two they living rooms. They were inside, rooms. way inside. Yeah. Wow. They couldn't answer the doors. The slave women could, but the, the property women, not the property, I'm sorry. Well, they were the property of the men. They were still property. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were, uh, yeah but they, they didn't have property. Uh, unless it came down from their fathers, um, that that gets complicated or they lived in temples in the sense that they became uh, right like the the priestess for i think yeah yeah became priestess they could be holy people yeah yeah yeah. so they were basically slaves i mean in some sense it was it was a matter it was a class issue to be honest class yeah the higher your class the less freedom you had if you were a woman exactly there were there were arguments that women slaves had much more freedom, although they were oh. owned. So it's very complicated. And they had three levels of prostitutes. There were high class prostitutes, middle class, and there were low class prostitutes. And I don't remember which one, but one is pornoi. I think pornoi is the middle or the lower, which is where we get the word pornography from. Which yeah. which is ironic nice. because it means literally pornography is prostitution. It's just anyway, but so. Um, women were so excluded from a public life, it was taboo to say a woman's name in public. Mm. Right. But at the same time, and even before, we could possibly talk about a another civilization, a much older civilization that gets villainized. Um, that's even in holy books, the Egyptian civilization oh, and how yes. they treated their women. And mm-hmm. the word civil rights, civil liberties, um, sort of progressive thinking, uh, human value, none of that in any way gets related to this particular civilization ever. In fact, it's villain. They had slaves, they owned the Jews, they made them do this, like, right? We never hear anything positive about ancient Egypt. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, I, I couldn't believe when I first read about how 
we might be getting way off topic we here, are. but yeah, that's Do fine. It. Just We're gonna here. say this in yeah, one sentence. When I first read about, and it was a comparative study between how women in in Athens and how women in um, larger Egyptian cities were dealt with, uh, what their lives were like, um, what their rights were. Um, I, I busted into tears because they chose their own husbands. They married themselves. They divorced themselves. Divorce and marriage wasn't even something they had to go do. Um, it wasn't a civil arrangement. It was up to the woman to mm -hmm. choose and let go of a man. Um, they owned property. They ran businesses. I mean, it was feral. insane. It was insane. Yeah. It was insane. Wow. They, they, the medical academies usually had a, I shouldn't say usually, about half the time had a woman director. Yeah. And we never oh. hear about that, do we? Mm -mm. It's all Athens. No. No. It's all Greece. It's well, the beginning. It's the. It's uh, the fertile crescent. <laughs> the cradle of the cradle of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's certainly the foundation of this civilization. Yeah. This misogynistic, yes. slave-based, racist Absolutely. civilization. Yeah. Not, well. not an accidental not, starting point. Not, you, not an accident. Oh, not an accident. This is not a small to say minority that to rule. We want a majority of uh yeah of an enslaved mm -hmm. population that makes things this run. Is, we want. Yeah. yeah, this is not to say that Persian and Mesopotamian culture were uh, not, you know, they, they definitely, yeah, as far as human rights, were nowhere close to Egypt, but whatever. But compared no, to Athens. Athens. No, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But that's know. A, like Persians how... Persians women in battle. They allowed women yes, to own businesses. Yes, but they I mean... definitely were not. This was it was better than Athens, yes. And 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 although Persian upper class women did veil, so did the men, because it was considered taboo to have lower cla class people class look at you. It was so it was a class distinction. Yeah. So it, it was, was a caste thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, compared to Athens, I mean Sparta looks wonderful compared to Athens. I would have totally <laughs> <laughs> but again, it says but they're villainized. That this is the, yeah, but this this Athens model is what we have chosen as our mm -hmm. blueprint. Not by accident. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. So now Susie, you started saying something and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, <laughs> I was I was wondering about the uh the word terror. We were talking about etymology and the um yeah, and how the guy in Tennessee who just blew up that wall had that huge explosion. Um, I can't, was it Nashville? It was Nashville. Nashville. Right? Mm -hmm. And uh, AT&T, targeted AT&T. Yeah. Right. Okay. So does somebody know this story a little bit better? Because I, I just kind he, of was following it. Yeah. He targeted AT&T because of the 5G, right? They say that 5G yeah. causes COVID or something like that. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it's all related not, to all of that. 5G causes COVID. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. So he targeted AT and T. So he talk about double think. He he got up and he decided to blow that up and make a big deal out of it, and that to me would be considered domestic terrorism. Mm -hmm. Right. Straight so up. now we get into the political use of the word terror. So to do that, I well, think I need to start with the definition of war. Ramesh. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say start us there. What is war and what is terrorism? Okay. Yeah. So so war is when you intentionally target military assets for destruction. So I've got a battalion, I've got another battalion, they attack each other, that's war because they're, they're both targeting military assets for destruction. Terror 
is when you target civilian assets for destruction, right? Because the goal there isn't to deplete the other side's military ability, it's to deplete the other side's will to fight because you're going after their civilian population. Well, when you define it that way, you realize really quickly that, that terror is an inherent and integral part of warfare. So World War I, 13 or so million people died, probably about uh, 11 and a half million were, were soldiers. So there was some terror in World War I, but it was obviously mostly war. World War II, probably about 65 million people died and probably about 15, 20 million of those were soldiers. In other words, World War II was a terror war because the vast majority of the fatalities were in fact civilians. So if I take and I make a, my RV into a giant bomb and go into a city and detonate it, by definition, I'm committing an act of terrorism. I'm not committing an act of war. If I blow, if I blow up Berlin or I drop bombs on London, I'm committing an act of terrorism, not an act of war because I'm not attacking military targets. I'm attacking civilian targets. But then you get into whose definition, right? Well, yeah. so the United States doesn't want to admit that nuking Hiroshima and Nagasaki were acts of terrorism, but that's exactly what they were, Be especially because Nagasaki had no military value. Yeah. And Hiroshima was 80% destroyed. There was literally no reason on earth it did have military value, but at that point, 80% destroyed it didn't. Right. And, and so the reality is, is this, like doing a war on terror is insane because it's like saying, I'm getting rid of all hammers. <laughs> It's just a tool you use in warfare. It's not- There's a rock. <laughs> and so because we politicize the term terror and terrorism, we've made it so we can't, we can't say that a white man is a terrorist. This guy is clearly a terrorist. Who makes a bomb? <laughs> a terrorist makes a bomb, unless they're planning to attack a military base. Like if he drove this into um, Fort Hood. Fort Hood, yeah. That would have been an act of war. Mm -hmm. I would have accepted that he's not a terrorist. He's a soldier. So, okay, so <laughs> so make point, the yeah. the difference for me. <clears throat> the distinction between 9-11 when they crashed into the towers and 9-11 when they crashed into the Pentagon. So there were, yeah. So there was an act of war when they attacked the Pentagon and an act of terrorism when they attacked the towers. Okay. And then the, attacking the airplanes, are, are, uh, that's terrorism also. So even the, the act of war was at least 50% terror because they yeah. still captured an airplane filled with civilians. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. But I think the I think what it what it breaks down to though sometimes is that well not not sometimes. Um anytime we see like a black or brown person, like you know, the the, the DC sniper, right? He was a terrorist immediately. Yes. You know what I mean? There's a terrorist out there and you know, we know who he is. Um but like they they, they hold their they hold their words, you know, when it's a you know, this this Tennessee guy. He was disturbed. Like, oh, he had yeah. mental illness. Yeah. Dude, yeah. What we terrorist just... doesn't have mental illness? He was and taken that... without incident. Yeah, and that that, did... that that wrecks havoc on the uh the disabled community as well, right? Because yeah, they're trying to say, Oh, we don't know if this person who has mental you know, all you know, this person just has a has, having a bad day, you know what I mean? You, you know, uh we don't know, you know, they'll say this person could go off the hammer anytime they want, you know what I mean? So I think it causes issues on that community as well. Yeah. And it reinforces that stigma that if you have any kind of mental issues mm -hmm. that you are going to be crazy and build a bomb, which is That's not exactly true. right. As a mental person, I will tell you, I have no uh, plans to do anything mm -hmm. like that. Exactly. The United States government does. So we called the operation to start the 2003 genocide of Iraq, we called it shock and awe. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what? That's the definition of of terror. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like it was this double think moment where we admitted our goal in Iraq in 2003 was to create terror. Mm-hmm. Call yeah. it shock and awe. And then, yeah. and then the average American's like, we're doing a war against terrorism. No, you're doing a war of terrorism. Of terrorism. Exactly right. And it, it's the, it was, the way they do this, you know, just nonchalantly, just the way they just do things like that is just, it's Prepositions insane. mean everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I Sasha mean, Baron even, Cohen, for getting that right. In the- <laughs> even at the very, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. let's talk about freedom of religion versus freedom from religion. People don't know that here. They don't know which is which. Which one is it? Yeah. You know? So my my parents like to throw the socialism issue up and say, you are a socialist and you want us to be just like Venezuela. So tell <laughs> me what, tell me how my parents are misunderstanding the, uh, the concept and idea of socialism. So the, I think there's so many different brands of socialism that to, to sort of give a simple definition might be a little complicated. But they're but a I, republic too, right? Venezuela, Venezuela? sure yeah they have an elected they have a congress they have an elected president the the problem is is like our government uh there's massive vote rigging right so just so i clarify the way we do most of our vote rigging in the united states we do we have had elections where there was clearly manipulation of results 2000 2002 2004 for example um there were very serious there's very serious evidence of manipulated results most of our most of our manipulation though is is just done through gerrymandering. Um, we just simply make districts that the other side has no chance of winning, and that that's that's a rigged election. That's the definition of rigged election. If you create a district where you know what the outcome is, you've rigged the election, right? Yeah. And and ninety five percent of the congressional districts in the United States are gerrymandered that way. So so we're ninety five percent rigged. Uh, uh, you know the. 2018 was supposed to be this blue wave and it was the, to a degree the house did flip and the democratic party did win a lot more votes than the republican party did in congressional elections but we're only like two percent of the seats actually flipped so mm-hmm. a wave for us is a two percent turnover which is ludicrous it's preposterous um so I think the, the the nutshell version answer for what socialism is is it's it's the belief that labor ought to be rewarded according to its value, not in such a way that it creates profit for the corporation. In other words, the goal is that if I work my ass off, I shouldn't be paid a, a pittance so that somebody else can get rich off of my labor. So the goal is to, to, to stop the exploitation of labor and to properly award labor. I, I mean, I think that's the core of a socialist value. So the idea there is you want to be just in the economy. Um, my personal experience is the harder I worked, the less money I made, the less I worked, the more money I made. Like the United States is the opposite of that. We, we, we've set it up so that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and there's no real in between mm-hmm. yeah i just That's going right. back to the uh, the other definition of representative democracy or a republic um that either veers towards liberty or justice um it seems to me that it seems to me that veering towards justice 
and not liberty um, is the political position of socialists. But in the United States, it hasn't gone anywhere because our financial um, financial uh, infrastructure is based on rabid capitalism um, and unfettered capitalism. And it, it's like this schizophrenic sort of existence, mm -hmm. a market existence where we, and it keeps changing. We say something, we do something else. It's, it's just this, we are a rabid capitalist society. Even if we keep, we're on the verge of teetering and going into non-existence, we sort of come back and say, oh my God, let's take care of the people. But then as soon as sort of the crisis is over, we're like back to unfettered capitalism. That's right. Even and in the crisis, we don't want to take care of people. Even the, in the well, yeah. six hundred versus the two thousand dollars check. Yes, it just keeps getting worse yeah. and worse. But I mean, I'm going. No, we're back just trying to, to take care of the corporations. I mean, I right. just can't believe. I mean, but, and it, it, we're just moving towards this becoming worse and worse, and which is why we see such a stark difference between Republicans and Democrats, um, as far as um, now in the age of Trump. Uh, the ugliness has really kind of shown itself. At the end of the day, the Republicans are are libertarians, but mm -hmm. the Democrats are, at least to some extent, um, that version of um, justice, representative democracy that can still has still this like ridiculous idea that it can hold on to unfettered capitalism, which it can't, which is why everything is so messed up <laughs> and I mean, socialism has to come in and bail it out almost every time i mean like the, when it, the it, banks fail it, it, you know? it, it yeah. will never come to fruition unless a deep deep critique of capitalism takes hold mm -hmm. it, it cannot work representative democracy can only work in its uh in the united states with capitalism in its libertarian form mm -hmm. um unless there's a major shift in the way we understand capitalism as our basic um, operating system. Um, I, I want to be careful with the way we're using libertarianism right now. So right now- Hey, there's a word. <laughs> so I believe we have had a libertarian utopia for the last four years. Trump got no legislation passed. I mean, he got mm. the-, he got the mm -hmm. It wasn't a tax cut. Stop calling it that. What he did was he took the tax brackets <laughs> and pushed them together. So if you were in the lower tax bracket at that moment, your taxes went up. And if you were in the higher tax bracket, your taxes went down, right? Because if, if the tax bracket uh, that you were in was charging you 20% and the higher tax bracket was 30%, when it got merged, it's now 25. So your taxes went up five points. But if you were at the 30%, your taxes went down Damn. five points. So okay. the rich... The richest Americans did get a little bit of a tax cut, but the poorest Americans got an equally sized tax hike for the That's first increased. time since since World War II in the United States, since the Great Depression, the rich actually have a a functioning tax rate lower than everybody else. They, they actually have the lowest functioning tax rate. That's the only legislation Trump got through. And then he disassembled the deep state, the so-called deep state. I mean, he didn't disassemble it completely, but he damaged the hell out of it. And, and he lifted all the regulations he could by executive order. He effectively created no government to the point where when COVID happened, we had no response. Right. But there were 17 different plans on how to deal with a pandemic and absolutely zero of them got implemented. Yeah. And the fact that that, that happened is, is the fruition of libertarianism. No government, 
raw corrupt capitalism, hmm. just rampant capitalism. If you're a libertarian and you think the, la- the last four years sucked, you're an idiot because they was your dream come true. Yeah. Right. What the hell are you waiting for? What That's was true. You know? It's amazing because you can split. I-, I feel like you can split the Trump voters. I mean, obviously, but into those who benefited from the tax break, those who didn't, but are willing to pay more so that they can be openly racist. I mean, that's what I see. It's like, how much yeah. do you want to spend? And then those so have drunk the, the Kool-Aid. They're the <laughs> well, yeah. group of people who are just, they don't understand anything. They don't get it. Yeah. Well, they, they, got, they got to defend the job creators, right? That's their, right. their main mission. <laughs> we got to defend the job creators out here. You yeah. guys don't know what you're talking about. There's a reason they're a CEO and they make all this money. Yeah, because okay, I, I, my uh, recording stopped because apparently it was recording to my wrong drive. Okay, um, I, we've got it. We've got it. So uh, I guess I I'm going to have to figure out how to splice this together. <laughs> actually, I think that I can send you my file. Okay. My okay. video file and you'll be able to do it. Okay, great. And we'll have to cut that out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Good pause there. Good pause. I got into a discussion. Excellent with, timing. Um, I know. <laughs> liberal guy uh, with. I oh, I know who you're talking about. I, I can't think of his name offhand. <sighs> it start, uh, there's a Z in it, I think. <laughs> Zen, Howard Zen. No, <laughs> he's definitely not a libertarian. That guy was a socialist. <laughs> miss him. I miss him. Um, so, so. My point in bringing this up was we, we've actually had what conservatism for most of the United States is history where it's Nozick, Nozick that's it, uh, where it's capitalism merged with um, strong government control, strong, strong government interference. Now, the question is, in what direction? So Democrats, who, by the way, are, mo- are, are center right, they're actually technically uh, not they're not, they're not leftists. Where, where they want to do is they want to regulate the economy. And the reason why is because, and FDR is sort of the founder of this, this, this thinking, if you don't regulate the economy and you allow unfettered capitalism, that capitalism will turn the labor class into socialists. So what you do is you have to moderate the excesses of capitalism so that the, so that the working class doesn't go socialist. Mm-hmm. The right when no, we believe that the, the invisible hand is actually literally God interfering in the economy. So when you interfere in the economy, like liberals want to do, you're interfering with God's will. What they want to do then is interfere in your social behavior, tell you what sexual position you can have, whom you can have sex with, when you can have sex, but they don't want to tell you what you do with your wallet. That's the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans traditionally. What happened with Reagan was, because he was... And, and Nixon tried to go this direction, but he couldn't pull it off. But Reagan pulled it off because he was such a rampant racist and because he, he, he hated the lower class so intensely. Um, his goal was to try and replace the movement of the, of the lower class from going to the left towards socialism and have them go to the right. And of course, Trump is the fruition of the Reagan legacy. He is is Reaganomics come true, where instead of the working class, a section of the working class realizing that they needed to go to the left, they went to the right, like happened in Germany in the 1920s and 30s. And so we we were repeating this cycle, but the the result was really interesting because it was, I don't think anybody would have predicted it. Um, Normally when the right gains power, like think of Hungary, think of Turkey today, 
the right clamps down on on your freedoms and makes the government stronger. Trump was so incompetent and moronic, he actually went flying the opposite direction. And instead of clamping down control over the government, he lost control of the government. <laughs> we had no government. Yeah. But it doesn't really matter, does it? I mean- He didn't care. No, and apparently neither did they. And then, so now we're gonna have a group of representatives and, and senators on, on the sixth. Not Maybe. A, not- uh, I also want to say something else about this whole, I think <clears throat> we ended up talking about how um, uh, we're talking about a public discourse issue in the sense that words, um, definitions, political definitions mean how, how sort of they come about and how are they used. And one of the things is, I'll just come up with this example there was a discussion in the 80s that took place between two political thinkers, um, John Rawls and uh, what was Nozick's Nozick. first name? I don't know what it was, but another political philosopher called Nozick. <laughs> <laughs> and the interest of what com came out of that discussion for me uh, more than anything else was um, I, I was reading this in the, the 2000 something, whatever it was, teens, this material. And what I was hearing Nozick, the top political libertarian thinker say was so different from what I was hearing um, in public discourse of, about libertarianism, right? It was okay. so different. Um, Nozick, for instance, was saying, look, when a pandemic hits, we need to have institutions in place that can take care of us, right? Uh, we need public education. We need certain infrastructure to, to be in place and for government to fund it. And here we have in public discourse an idea, a, an understanding of libertarianism, libertarianism that isn't, is, is so fluid and it's so sort of stratified. One person, one group says this, another militia, whatever. It's just like Right. We don't have a, a, a clear definition. Nobody is listening to the thinkers, to to those who set who set the definitions in public discourse. We do not, in fact, have a goddamn public discourse. We don't have public mm -hmm. intellectuals. We don't mm -hmm. have these public philosophers. We don't have these philosophers who are who are sort of molding these definitions come on television in the news wherever the hell on me in the media um and talk about we don't have public discourse occasionally which is why people don't know what things mean yeah it's dead on it's a and even if you have a discourse because people yeah. don't know what things mean they wouldn't understand what you were saying Exactly. You can't you can't have a conversation with someone who doesn't understand what socialism is fundamentally. Like We've replaced <laughs> public discourse and 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 thinkers getting together and having conversations, which is still something that happens even in the third world. Yep. Happens in the third world. I'll give you all a story about what happens in Iran, for instance, or at least was happening. Um, We've replaced that with freaking two second pundits to two, two, one minute, 30 seconds. I don't know what a, a pundits who who know nothing, who get on a list, who literally put their own names on a list. Uh, yeah, like they yeah. have. Yeah, they they have their 
nobody checks their credentials, nothing. They, they enter a list and then that reporter goes and looks on this list and randomly picks this person, depending on how much time they have to, to get the news story out. And the mm -hmm. more flagrant and the more sort of um, uh, inflammatory their language is, the, the better chance they have on getting on the show right because the ratings will go up. Yeah. the ratings will go up yeah and that's what trump understood that's what trump yeah. understood yeah they want to cover him all the time because nobody that's knows right. what crazy shit he's gonna i say. mean look what trump has done to the washington post like that you... that, that newspaper was dying now it is flourishing <laughs> it's doing great he's, and bezos is laughing and laughing jeff bezos thinks yeah, bezos is laughing yeah uh, yeah we knew we knew that trump yeah, Trump being the president was going to be great for the media. Yeah. Let me just yeah. ask, let, let me pose aspects. this question. What would have happened to us had the pandemic hit in 2018? We would all be dead. <laughs> you mean, wh why? What's well, the difference Trump, between 2018 and 2020? Well, because Trump isn't going to get voted out in 2018. We still have, we're looking at two more years of full on Trump. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, I, oh I see. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I just want to say. Tell me the story in Iran. What, what is the story? Oh, so I remember um, in the 1990s, there was, this was, a, uh, this was about uh, late 1990s, starting in 1997, all the way to 2000, uh, roughly 2009, I guess that was the death knell. But for those 10 to 12 years, um, okay. <laughs> There, there were many dailies and they belonged to different factions. Mm -hmm. And every morning, literally what people do, would do is go out and buy a newspaper. It was a, an exciting part of everyone's day. And they would not just buy one newspaper, they would buy several and they would start comparing these. Oh. Two things about these newspapers. One, my great aunt, who um, never went to public school. She at the time was 90 something years old. Can I see people's faces? Thank you. 90 something years old, Roy, Roy was searching for something, um, was literally made, a, a got a big notebook and was uh, clipping newspaper uh, articles, mm. comparing them to each other. Like this is how involved a 90 something year old who had taught herself reading and writing was doing this just to tell you how this was my great aunt, right? Number one, number two, I remember because I would, I, this is the period where I would go to Iran two, three times a year and all the summer. So I would just stay there for three months at a time. Cool. And I remember one specific newspaper, um, which, which had the highest circulation called Hamshahdi, every weekend on Fridays would have an insert, like the New York Times has an insert. And the insert was about books. Now, books that were being translated from all sorts of sources, whether they were in Malaysia, Indonesia, this was sort of cutting edge Islam, Islamic interpretations of texts and hermeneutics, whether it was Gadamerian hermeneutics from, and it was all related to how to understand um, Islam and how to sort of, uh, a, a reformist mindset, uh, 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 how to 
uh, move forward, being Muslims, mm-hmm. retaining Islam, but shifting in certain ways to for uh, to, um, in a way that makes sense for us in the 20th, 21st century coming 21st century. And this was 20, sometimes 25 pages with long extracts mm-hmm. from books wow. with um, think uh, if thinkers came together and were having dialogue the whole thing was uh, translated and put in I mean I I had never never I have yet to see something like that in the United States I mean there was literal public discourse I remember being in being in a taxi cab taxi cab um, where uh you know, taxi cabs over there in Tehran are different. It's like they keep going up and down a street and a bunch of people get in and they get off at different times. It's just a different system. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember I stayed in that taxi cab, went, missed where I was going to go just so I could listen to the conversation of two thinkers. Wow. And this man who was the driver was listening to this really intricate discussion about freedom, justice, yeah religion, Islam, how to interpret Islam, all these things between the two top thinkers in Iran at the time. Really, really complicated language. He was following and so were other people. Everybody was commenting. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I mean, it's a stupid States. population is much easier to control, right? So, I mean, the kids out in the rural areas, we don't care if they've got internet or not. Let's just keep them stupid. They don't need to know the big words. They don't need to understand that, you know, all of these words mean roughly the same thing, but not quite the same thing. They don't understand that when you're in in America and a white person commits an act of violence against a citizen, that that too is terror. We don't, we just, it's like, it's back to the etymology. It's all about words it's semantics and unfortunately it's very the semantics are quite important right now i mean it's just like democracy we just voted for what i consider to be a republican but he's on the democratic ticket so no he's he's a solid democrat it's just the democratic party is center right right (laughs) yeah because the republican party has become extreme extreme right right they're not okay so who's the tea party those are libertarians they're they're the extreme far right but but they're kind of getting punked because QAnon is replacing them. That's a scary, yeah. scary QAnon, thing. right? Yeah, that's true. QAnon and the Proud Boys yeah. <laughs> kind of people. The the yeah. extreme extreme far right. Yeah. <laughs> is, oh is yeah. Me. And if anybody's yeah. planning to go out in DC on the fifth or sixth, don't because mm. they're the Proud Boys are going to go out there and they're trying to. I I wouldn't put it past Trump to pull an insurrection act if there saw, was protest, yeah. just like that. I saw they were closing hotels because of that. Really? Too. Yeah, I heard some Smart. hotels are closing down. Mm-hmm. The Proud Boys are just as violent. I mean, you know, they're 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 pretty bad guys. I I think we need Antifa, quite frankly. And there's another word that people don't understand. If they would finish the word out, Antifa, it's yeah. anti-fascism. Fascist. Let's just keep going with that word. <laughs> Uh, How is that hard? I don't understand that. Well, because about a third of the country is enamored with the idea of fascism now. <laughs> I mean, what what's the joke? The Germans, a third of the Germans discovered that a third of Germans wanted to kill them and a, the other third didn't care. Oh, and I think 
I think we've just discovered that too. No. Might be right. Well, guys, do you guys have anything uh, you want to wrap up with? I want to throw in one last piece just because it was brought up, which was one person, one vote. Yes. It's worth remembering how, how far we've come and how far we had to travel. That did not become truly part of, of U.S. law until 1962. The Supreme Court ruled in Baker v. Carr, 1962, <laughs> that, yeah, it should be one person, one vote. And I, I think it's good to remember things like, wow, we've only been doing this for 59 years. Mm-hmm. Look how fucked I mean, up There might is. be people that you know who were alive when it wasn't the case. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not after COVID is done with uh-uh, us. No, no, we're all wiped out. So, uh, you know, like, and, and the whole reason for it was because um, the, the way we district, the way we use single member district representation in the United States, they had, dis- they had drawn up these districts that were based on old census reports mm-hmm. and it made it so that some districts had a million people in them and some districts had 100,000 people in them. And then, of course, the districts with 100,000 people, it made it so effectively you had 10 times more representation in Congress than the district with a million people in it. And uh, the lawsuit got to the Supreme Court and it was actually basically 61, 62, 63 that the Supreme Court did, I, I want to say a half dozen rulings. Baker v. Carr was the most important of them, but that's that's what sort of codified the idea that no, you can't, we can't have districts with that kind of size difference. But it's not, no, they don't use, enforce that then. Because... No, they do. They enforce Baker v. Carr. Um, the Supreme Court has ruled since then that you should also have <laughs> compact districts so to, in an attempt to sort of make gerrymandering a little harder, and that's not it. The districts uh, are insanely shaped. Yeah, I'm one of them. I got San Antonio. I'm being represented mm. by someone from San Antonio. I'm in 78704. Why am I being represented by somebody from San Antonio? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, Welcome I'm to gerrymandering. Yeah, I know. It's been a long time we've been like this. We had Lamar Smith for a long time. Okay, you guys, this has been great. As been you awesome. know, very informative because we're mm-hmm. all so incredibly smart. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe that's bad news given the anti-intellectualism we just talked about Oof. so we're so smart how we're come smart. all the dumb people are beating us so badly yeah <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother show right that's 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 the show on cheating we'll come back to that <laughs> dang <laughs> thanks a lot you guys i appreciate everyone uh coming and listening to us and also if you live in georgia please go vote um, <laughs> please dear god go vote in case you didn't know there's an election two days, something amazing is about to happen you got to tell them we who vote. to vote for if, if you want them to vote Democrat. <laughs> so okay, we want you to vote for uh ossoff and warnock yeah. Because and the other two who I don't even want to say their names are awful clans, people, racist, awful people. And you'll be voting for both. I think a lot of Georgians think they're, they ha- they're going to vote for one or the other. You're mm. voting for both. <laughs> also, don't get confused uh, that they, they, the clans people were supporting the $2,000 check. No. They did it because <laughs> they had to switch because the president's changed his mind and went for the 2001 they had to immediately switch to so. yeah if you want that two thousand dollars you're not on the right team 
<laughs> I don't think and either team is going to give it to you, but <laughs> <laughs> good call. Good call. <laughs> it's supposed to be cause there's no, there's no looting election. What do they care? Yeah. Right? We you want know? the Senate to be, yeah. We want, we, hopefully the Senate can go Democrat. Yeah. And maybe we can get something done. <laughs> maybe. maybe. There's still the filibuster. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to, uh, you know, Joe and Kamala with their certification. We hope that goes well. And uh, if not, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Thanks, y'all. Safe travels, Ramesh. Yeah, safe you. travels. <laughs>